everybody, Jimmy Smith on today's Unlocking the Cage podcast. I recap the Elimination Chamber in all its glory from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And I discuss the brutal loss of Johnny Walker. Is that it for him at the elite level of the UFC? Johnny Walker. Um, okay, so first off, this was a guy. To, to, to kind of reset the clock a little bit on Johnny Walker for people who aren't aware of it. Johnny Walker was a guy that uh, this could be a little bit of an overstatement, but at the time, this is really true. And remember, John Jones was going through everyone like a hot knife through warm butter. We were looking for that next, um, that next, cont- the next person who had that it, who had that something that could maybe beat John Jones. There was a time. In 2019, when we thought Johnny Walker might be the guy. I know that sounds weird now, but when he knocked out Misha Serkinov in 36 seconds, fight before that, he had won in 15 seconds. Fight before that, he had won in a minute and 57 seconds. He just leveled guys, and he was big. He was tall. He was rangy. He was explosive. He had a set of physical gifts that we thought could maybe give John Jones problems. Remember, when John Jones looked across the, the, the octagon at Alexander Gustafson, and he looked at a guy who was just as tall as he was, who was explosive, who could use his length effectively, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, he was not the same guy. When John Jones doesn't have, when he isn't the bully, and I, I don't mean this in a, in a psychological, in a physical way, when he can't bully you, when he can't put his hand on your head, you know, like you're his little brother, he's a different guy. And we saw that against Dominic Reyes. We saw it in the first fight with Alexander Gustafson. He doesn't have a, the physical advantages. He's not the same guy. Johnny Walker took away a lot of those physical advantages from John Jones. And we thought he might be the guy to unseat Johnny Walker. Then he ran, I'm, to, to, I'm sorry, to unseat John Jones. Then he ran into Corey Anderson, got knocked out in two minutes. Then he got owned by Nikita Krylov, mostly on the ground, but it was one sided. He got back with a win over Ryan Spann, and then lost to another veteran in Tiago Santos. So we started getting the idea. And remember, Tiago Santos was on a three-fight skid. He had lost to John Jones, Glover Teixeira, and Alexander Rakic. And hadn't been competitive in those fights. But he finds a way. I think I took, I think I picked Johnny Walker to win the one. Like, okay, he'll get back on track. But he didn't. Because he lost to a vet who was himself on a skid. So this last loss to Jamal Hill, to me, banishes him from the elite level. Can he make his way back? Sure. Anything can happen. He's 29 years old. It's not the end. But one thing that really bugs me is this, this, this attitude he has, which is there, we called it in, in Bellator, whenever we were interviewing a fighter, we called it the happy to be here's. Oh, this guy's got the happy to be here. He's, they almost always lost guys who had the happy to be here. And Kelly's smiling because she knows what I'm talking about. It's they're just boys. It's just great to be here in Bellator. And I feel really. They got murdered. They had the happy to be here. They were just enjoying. Now, I, you want to enjoy the process. You want to enjoy the journey of being great at whatever you're great at. You want to enjoy the journey of 
this sport that is difficult, that is taxing, that takes a lot out of you. I could go on and on about what these fighters, you know, pay with their bodies and their minds, etc. We all know it, though. So you should enjoy it. You really should. But you shouldn't be like a kid at the candy store, just wide-eyed and going, wow, this is a lot of fun. We want that sense of dedication. We want that sense that you understand how difficult and profound it is, and you want to be number one. And without those things, I think part of the equation is missing. And I feel like we've always missed that equation with Johnny Walker. He was just a little too much, boy, really having fun here, rather than I can be number one and I want to be champion. What's your biggest issue with Johnny Walker? I think my biggest is the attitude. That he doesn't seem to take it that seriously. And he released a video after his knockout loss. And he's having pizza with a bunch of people. And he's like, hey, you know, I'll be back. Blah, blah, blah. You can only be back so many times, dude. You don't seem to appreciate how the sand of your career is slipping through your fingers. That you really could have been something great. I like a little gravitas when somebody loses. Hey, it sucks. I'll be back. I don't like it when you know, they ball and cry and it's the end of the world. But... You know, this sucks, and I'm disappointed in myself, but I'll be back. You've got to kind of ride that line. I feel like he's too far on the side of, everything's cool, I'll be back, don't worry about it. That always bugs me. And in Johnny Walker's case, when, when he had a tremendous slide from where he was to, to you know, where he is, um, I don't, I don't, it sucks. And what he said, actually, on his Instagram, I'm fine, on to the next one. Thank you all for the support. Love you. This is the sport. One wins and the other one loses, but I never give up. Now, in the video, he's in the hotel room with his team from uh, SBG Ireland, John Cavanaugh. Um, he just didn't seem discouraged at all. What's up, guys? I'm okay. Just a little cut here. Uh, I sleep in the fight, so something happened wrong. <sighs> all right, yeah, all right. I, I want a little more depth that this really concerns you. So it's my atti- it's his attitude is my big issue. Um, and the physical tools and gifts he has, he hasn't seemed to put together properly. He hasn't seemed to do it. And so ESPN, a partner of the UFC now, but still the Entertainment Sports Network. So still a news network. Nothing sweet about these dreams, it tweeted. And it showed Johnny Walker's head uh, crushed up against the fence and the way he landed and looking terrible. Do you think they should do stuff like that, KOB? Does it strike you as a little bit like, are you kind of trampling on his grave just a little bit? It was kind of surprising for me. Yeah. I was like, I get, I, I get the average person doing this just to try to be funny. But it's like ESPN MMA? Like, this is a weird thing to do to a guy who just got knocked out. Yeah. It just seemed wrong. I don't know what. They were dragging him through the mud just a little bit. Because they are trying to look like a regular person. ESPN car. Like, I don't feel like you should be looking like a troll. Like, Fight Nation would never do that. Like, we would never just trash a person like that on our own Twitter. And we have no obligation not to. No. Yeah. Yeah, It's really just our own standards of, like, we would never want to do that to a fighter. Like,. The occasional joke, like if you want to do like a joke of like, oh, you know, name these two fighters, wrong answers only. Like that's always fun and in, and in good name. But like this is like you highlight this guy's face 
crumpled up and like oh anything but sweet dream it's like oh that's wrong dude like that shouldn't be you like you should not be the one making that tweet yeah you're you're the news people right not the people not not the trolls not the trolls so i thought that was a little too much Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Elimination Chamber last Saturday. So I was able to, because I didn't go to Saudi Arabia, thank little baby Jesus, um, I didn't have to go do Elimination Chamber. I got asked a lot last week, are you going to Saudi Arabia? Are you going to Saudi Arabia? They don't send both teams to an international event because if something goes wrong and they can't get back, which has happened before, there have been plane delays or some kind of you know paperwork issues and they can't get people back in time, I have to be here to cover the show Michael Cole Can't Do, which is, of course, uh, SmackDown or anything else. So I have that one team has to say, and that has so far been me, which is great. Do not feel like flying 20 hours to Saudi Arabia, flying 20 hours back, and then doing a Monday Night Raw. Doesn't sound fun. Corey Graves did it. You're my boy. You are a hero. You are a workhorse. And Byron Saxon did the same thing. Um, yeah, so they both did it, but it's incredible. So they went to Elimination Chamber. I did not. So all I did was sit in my bedroom, put on Peacock, and watch like a fan, which is great. I had the ability to do that. Amazing stuff. So the first thing I thought, and this is a very general thing about the WWE and UFC and boxing and anything else, you, you as a fan viscerally understand when a show isn't paced well. When you're sitting there going, man, when you feel it dragging, whether it's a combat sport or sports entertainment, whatever it is, other sports, meaning football, basketball, whatever, have their own pace. You really can't mess with that much. Meaning um, timeouts cost, you know, there could be a lot of penalties that drag a game out and that's fine, but there's nothing, God, they could have changed this. In combat sports, considering it's their individual fights or in sports entertainment, individual matches, whatever you want to call them, how you do things in the middle is very, very important. How many commercials you run, what kind of things you talk about, etc. And that can affect pacing as much as the actual fight itself can affect pacing. I hope I'm explaining this all well. But you as a viewer notice when something isn't paced well. You'll feel it. Before I get into the actual matches at Elimination Chamber... It felt entertaining the entire time. I felt engaged as a fan, which all I was was a fan. I wasn't working. Uh, I felt engaged the whole time from event to event to event. And inside the matches themselves, the storytelling and the pacing of the individual matches was very, very good. I never felt, you know, I remember I had to get up to you know grab something to eat. I started getting hungry. And I was like, oh, man, I'll wait until this is over. Man, I want to be sure I'm back in time because I knew it was paced so well that I wasn't going to have a lot of time to get back to it. Who saw, did anybody else other than me see Elimination Chamber Live? Or see Elimination Chamber period? I caught highlights and stuff later, but I didn't get to watch it live. Right, so, so you won't understand what I'm talking about. It was paced really well. I was, I was engaged and drawn in with the storytelling the entire time. And with a long show, that's impressive. 
And so let's start off with Universal Championship, uh, Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. Part of the reason this was paced well is it was a very fast match. Goldberg is no spring chicken. He is strong. He is explosive. He's all these things. You know, a, a, a longer match highlights the negative instead of the positive. And Roman Reigns, of course, can do anything. He is the golden boy right now of the WWE, Roman Reigns. Uh, not tough on the eye. Kelly, tough on the eyes, Roman Reigns? No. no. I hear that a lot. A lot of women, I'm sort of, are like, I don't even watch wrestling, and Roman Reigns can pin me anytime. I hear that all the time. He's immaculate. Beautiful, beautiful man. <laughs> he draws in that demographic, man. But he can do a lot, right? So this match was very back and forth, paced very, very well, and it played on the strengths of Goldberg, which is literally his physical strength. But it was entertaining. It was short. It was Roman Reigns, bam, got the vicious finish and all this stuff and put him out with the guillotine. So it told the right story, and it told it quickly. So we didn't have to worry about you know, anything lagging in the match. So that was a lot of fun, really, really fast. The Elimination Chamber match. Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, Dewdrop, Rhea Ripley, Nikki A.S.H., Alexa Bliss. The key to this match is, the key to sports entertainment period in, in WWE, in, in, in my limited experience, is belief, right? You have to wonder who's going to win, and that wondering, that that ability to believe that various people might do it, is the key to any match with a lot of people in it, right? There have to be at least three or four when you have you know, this many people in a match, and in this case, obviously six. You got to believe three or four of them can do it. And the way the story was told up to this point, you would believe Bianca Belair, you would believe Alexa Bliss, you would believe um, Rhea Ripley. I think those were the biggies. Dewdrop has looked strong in her last couple outings. Maybe they give her a push. But probably those were the big three. Bianca Belair, a returning Alexa Bliss, and Rhea Ripley, who had looked very, very strong in a gauntlet match the week before. So that was really the backbone of the match. Those, any of those three can win it. Who's going to do it? Did you see the outfits they wore? KOB, I ran into Rhea Ripley, as I always do on Monday Night Raw. The first thing I said is, were you not sweating like a hog in that thing? They had latex, basically, you know, long sleeves, long pants. I could, you know, what she said? No, she was actually wasn't bad at all. It breathed really well. And I asked Sonya Deville the same thing. She had a similar like black latex, you know, long sleeve outfit. She's like, no, it actually breathed really well. The first thing I thought when I saw them, KB, was like, I cannot imagine doing. It looks like a, a weight cutting, like we'd cut weight in that back in high school, dude. I felt so dumb because it took me so long for a second. When I when I saw them all kind of wearing it, I'm like, why are they all kind of wearing like this? Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And then it, it clicked a little bit later. I'm like, <laughs> yes. dude, I'm so dumb. Like, I just thought they were doing some kind of <laughs> yeah. theme. Like, I'm like, oh, that's weird. They all kind of, I'm like, I've seen them wrestle on Raw. This is not what they wear. Like, yeah. yeah. And then I'm looking, I'm like, oh, that's right. They're in Saudi Arabia. That's right. Because even Ronda Rousey wearing the gi, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. She went with the gi. Like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, duh. Oh, like, that's, yeah. That's why. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But same thing with Rey Mysterio with the long sleeve. He wore like a long sleeve underneath because it was tattoos. And so, yeah. So, anyway, they had to wear, and I was like, I can't believe they weren't dying in that thing. And they weren't. And they had really good physical uh, matches in there. Now, I know it's not individual matches, they're all against one another as, as the, the chambers open up and stuff. But, but once again, good pacing, good storytelling. I thought we'd see a little bit more, oh my God, I'm really hot. I need a break. And I didn't see a lot of that. 
everybody was in good shape. Apparently, latex, you know, the way it was constructed, breathed very, very well. And I, it was a really competitive match. And to end it the way they did, uh, Rhea Ripley comes out really strong. Obviously, Bianca Belair, who won it, came out really strong. Alexa Bliss comes out really strong. Dewdrop didn't lose a lot. Luke Morgan didn't lose a lot. Nikki A.S.H. keeps everything character-wise that's keeping her going at the moment. But when it, it ended up with Alexa Bliss versus Bianca Belair, the great thing is, in terms of story continuity, either one of those winners would have worked. Right? Alexa Bliss has been out for a while. She suddenly comes back. She's a huge name. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Maybe it's her in the title picture at WrestleMania. You'd believe that. Bianca Belair, great performance at Royal Rumble. She has looked extremely strong. If she didn't, she'd won a gauntlet match the previous Monday. If she wins, I believe it. It works on belief, and you could believe either one winning, and that meant a lot. Bianca Belair, of course, comes out on top. It reminds us of her run last year where she got to WrestleMania and took on Sasha Banks and you know, launched her career and all this stuff. She's getting a revenge match against uh, Becky Lynch, who beat her at SummerSlam 26 seconds. So it, the story works out perfectly. I thought it was a great match. Um, Ronda Rousey, Naomi, uh, and Naomi versus Charlotte Flair and Sonya Deville. Uh, Ronda Rousey, of course, the stipulation she had have her one arm tied behind her back because Sonya Deville had a broken arm from the armbar of Ronda Rousey. Well, it turns out, of course, she didn't have a broken arm, so Ronda Rousey ended up competing with one arm for no reason. And anyway, but but interesting. It shows what somebody can do, and it's so funny. On air, they, they said, man, how can you armbar somebody with one arm? And, of course, as a jiu-jitsu guy, I'm like, you can armbar somebody with one arm. It's not really that tough. Like, you just put it under your armpit. I'm sitting there just going, yeah, you can do that. Uh, so it was a good education in a sense where you don't understand. You can do a lot with one arm in jujitsu you can do a lot, a lot of moves and chokes and various things, especially when you have your gi kind of functions as another arm. You can do a lot of stuff. So it let Ronda Rousey kind of showcase what she can do, uh, judo wise and jujitsu wise with one arm and a gi. So really fun. Um, I like, they kind of kept Charlotte Flair out of it a lot. You don't want to see, cause when you're, when you're heading to WrestleMania, when I was a kid, you didn't see people involved in WrestleMania in actual matches close to WrestleMania. It was, it was almost like you saved them. They built it up story-wise, but they didn't see them physically do that much before WrestleMania. So when you saw them at WrestleMania, it was a big deal. You hadn't seen them in a long time. You see with Charlotte Flair, she wasn't that active in the match. A lot of it was Sonya Deville. And so we're hungry to see her versus Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. You don't want to see it much in a tag match when you can see it you know, in April, and it's a huge deal, and you saw that. That was kind of the dy- dynamic. A lot of Naomi, a lot of Ronda Rousey, and Sonya Deville. Not a lot of Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. So it kept the story intact, and it was a very exciting match. Uh, once again, good stuff. Drew McIntyre versus Mad Cat Moss in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Did you see the the what's called an Alabama Slam? Did you guys see that? And Madcap Moss landed directly on his head. Did you guys see that? Do you know what we're talking about? Yeah, I caught it. Yeah. Kelly, look it up if you can. So an Alabama slam is like somebody's got your feet, basically, and they're laying across your back, and you fling them onto the mat. And he just kind of tucks a little too much, and boom, spikes his head. And, all right, Kelly, is your neck bad enough that you see neck stuff and go, ah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, all right, we were both wrestlers. I've been doing jiu-jitsu forever, and I my neck's not great. And so whenever I see somebody, I just, it, like, instinctively go, ah, and I, like, grab my own neck. KLB, you, you feel me? 
I've given myself stingers sneezing before. Like, yeah. My neck is shot. Yeah. So, yeah, when I see someone, I take, I'm like, ooh. Ooh, God, yeah. Oh, how did you feel watching that? I literally, like, jump back. Ah. I he took it like a boss, I had, I had, man. I had heard about it, and then I looked yeah. it up, and I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Jeez. And, like, that's always like, I, what I've said to you. It's like, yeah, like, MMA fans tend to bag on pro wrestling. Like, oh, it's fake. It's like, the it's potential scripted. for injuries. It's scripted, so... but, like, as yeah. you get older and you really watch, yes. I swear, it, even as a kid, like, where maybe you understood it a little bit more, when you get older and watch, you're like, how are you not hurt? Like, <sighs> how the hell do you do that? Like, not only that, like, how can you, like, do a somersault off and hit someone in such a way where they're okay, too? Like, it's such a weird thing to think about. Yes. Like, how are you yes. both not injured? At f- I'm glad I didn't get back into professional wrestling until I was, what, 43 years old last year. Because at 43, I go, aha, every time they do something. I'm like, how are you then getting and, – and you can't really protect yourself. You got to, you know, take the what they call taking the bump. You got to, like, boom, and take it. And, you know, at least in fighting, I put my hands up or I can move my head or I can do all this stuff to lessen the impact, and they can't. They're supposed to, quote, unquote, sell and supposed to take that big bump. And, oh, my God. So it was a great mid-card match. Uh, obviously, it was false count anywhere, which is a lot of fun. It's outside. It's inside. It ended up, obviously, Happy Corbin going to help out Madcap Moss. And so it ended up kind of becoming a handicap match. Super fun. And lucky Madcap Moss took that bump well and didn't have a serious injury. Man, it got in a stinger. Once again, as you said, KOB gets stingers sneezing. But good match. Becky Lynch versus Lita. They got me in this one. They got me. They got me. Why? I saw Lita, who's a Hall of Famer, a legend, all this stuff. She hit a twist of fate and then a moonsault, which are her two finishers, on Becky Lynch. And the moonsault is basically a backwards flip off the top rope. Boom, lands on her. And I thought, man, maybe they're going to put the title on Lita. And then have kind of a Legends thing at, at WrestleMania that she probably wouldn't hold it that long. But, man, put on Lita. She goes, man, she could do this. And she didn't. Becky Lynch ends up come back, coming back and winning it. But that ability to play with a false, what we call a false finish, enough that you went, man, I could put it on Lita. And I'm thinking of storylines in my head. And, man, what would this do to the division? And they swerve you. They swerve you. It showed everything Lita is capable of. And I got to say, all the performers backstage were like, dude, Lita is the queen. That's amazing. Hasn't done it in years. Came back and had a really amazing match with Becky Lynch. That showcased more what she could do than what Becky Lynch could do. Who gets plenty of opportunities. Becky Lynch gets plenty of opportunities to show show what she could do. But they really got me with that false finish, KLB. I really was like, dude, they might give this to Lita. And when they can do that, they win. You know what I mean? Can't be like that's what they're supposed to do, and 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 that's how it felt. Yeah, when I saw it too, yeah. I'm like, oh, look at that! Like, are they actually going to do that? And then yeah, when yeah. Kicked out, I was like, oh, okay, no, yeah, all right. That's what I thought. Like, but that <laughs> was little, little um, wait, wait, could they? Those are, sometimes that's just the brilliance of WWE. Like, they know, like, oh, all right, we're going to let her hit, hit her finishers, and it's going to be over. And that's what yeah. you're, you're just expecting, like, oh, especially oh, two in a row. Yeah, she yeah. did both. Oh, it's got to be done. And then kick out. You're like, oh, you did it again, WWE. Like, you got yeah. me. <laughs> you got me. Yeah. And, and that's just a credit to them and a credit to the to, to the match itself. So they had a thing with the Usos and the Viking Raiders where the Usos just came out and leveled the Viking Raiders. Um, usually when something like that happens, there's a time issue somewhere where they need to cut down on time. So they, they, they shorten a the match. It's supposed to be longer. That's the only reason I can think of for this one. 
um, where they didn't really have a match between the Viking Raiders and the Usos. Then the Elimination Chamber match, Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, Riddle, Austin Theory, AJ Styles. Once Bobby Lashley was out because of a powerbomb from Austin Theory, it collapsed the side of his pod. And as soon as that happened, it was all Brock Lesnar. Just, and Austin Theory took an F5, which is like a spinning drop off the top of the pod, off the shoulders of Bobby Lashley. 12 feet up, 13 feet up, 14 feet up-ish. What do you think, KB? Standing on top of the pod's got to be seven feet because they have some some coverage. And these guys, most, are... of, them, most of them have headroom. And then, yes, and they're, most of and them these are big six boys. feet tall. Yeah, yeah, six six something. So yeah, you got to figure it's seven to eight feet. And he was on top of it, yeah. and he's on Bobby's shoulders, and he got some height. He must have dropped fourteen feet straight down. I dude, I gotta say too, like I didn't see a lot of Brock Lesnar's pro wrestling run. But he just looks like I watched Raw last night. Dude, he looks like he's having fun, man. Like, oh, he's having a blast. Fun out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's he how is. he was at the, when he, when he in his last run, but like, he looks like he's having a blast out there now. Yeah, I don't know much about it because I was I was out of of pro wrestling for so long. But dude, it seems like he's having fun. He seems like he's really enjoying it. Like he's having fun with this, you know, this new happy Brock Lesnar. And people are saying that's that's more like his personality. You know? When he walked out to the ring, I'm like, this is more smiling I've seen on Brock Lesnar than I've ever seen ever, even when he was in MMA. Like, uh, he looks like he's really, like, having the time of his life out there. Yeah, yeah. And so it's great to see that. Everything got set up the right way. Bobby Lashley's protected. He's still very much in the mix um, as, as far as the WWE goes and, and the title picture and everything. It worked out really well. The only difficulty was, I, as soon as Bobby's out, I didn't see anybody else in the field that I would believe would be walking out with the title other than everybody ganging up on Brock Lesnar. And as soon as that didn't happen and Brock was taking on individual people, uh, you know, it's going to be Brock. Okay, we just, we just knew it was going to be. So anyway, that was Elimination Chamber. I hope everyone enjoyed it. I certainly did as a fan. Once again, paced very, very well. I was entertained the entire time. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.